Hey everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of the Genre Equality Podcast on the Genre Equality channel. I'm Hitzer. I'm Hadi. I'm Isa. Uh, this, uh, I guess we are recording this before the new year, but by the time you listen to this, it will be the 1st of 2023. Yeah. So we'd like to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Let's go! Uh, we, we hope the holiday seasons was great for you and, you know, now is the time to get back to work, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop lying on your couch. Get the fuck back to work. It's time. Holidays are over. Which is what we're going to do here uh, with genre equality because we have lots to cover mm-hmm. from the December slate, uh, mm-hmm. which offered a couple of big, very notable films, um, including the, I suppose, technologically revolutionary uh, Avatar 2, We of the Water, mm-hmm. uh, which, which we watched in 3D. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hadi, did you watch that in IMAX or just regular 3D? IMAX. Oh, okay. So you got the full experience. So, yeah. like, um, my, myself and I only watched it in regular three D. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we can compare and contrast whether like IMAX three D does make a difference since it was shot on IMAX three D. Are we missing entire chunks of the frame, etc.? You know, things like that. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't uh, know though, this... because I I didn't watch the normal one though. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh. <laughs> Unless I watch the normal one, I can tell you. All right. Okay. Well, like, if your review is you know if your rating is higher than ours, I guess we'll attribute that to the IMAX. Sure. <laughs> Uh, but I think we'll also be talking about um, a much, much better film than Avatar 2, uh, Pinocchio, Ooh, yeah. uh, uh, Guillermo yeah, del Toro's yeah. version specifically, uh, out on Netflix uh, earlier this December, earlier last December, I should say. Um, one of the best films of 2022, as me and I have already discussed, and we'll be getting more in-depth into that uh, later on. Plus, Hadi will be talking about The Witcher Blood Origin. Um, I want to call this a spin-off. Is it a spin-off, Hadi? Uh, no, it's a prequel. It's a spin-off prequel, yes. okay, of from the Witcher franchise starring yes. Michelle Yu. Yes. We'll see how that goes. Uh, not much in quick hits this month. Uh, we'll be talking about Star Trek Prodigy, uh, Prodigy. I'm sorry, uh, which just ended uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'll be talking about Disney's uh, new television adaptation of Willow, mm-hmm. uh, based off the cult classic film, uh, alongside the adaptation of Kindred, uh, Octavia Butler's famed time travel slavery story. Uh, does it, you know, get the handmade steel treatment or is it worse? Uh, I'll get into that a little bit later. But I think the meat of this episode is Isis Anime Corner because, boy, this has been a phenomenal and phenomenally packed uh, anime season, Isa. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, give, give us a little preview before we get into it. We are going to talk about all the big returning anime and probably like the granddaddy of all returning animes, which is in Bleach. Uh, uh, once again, I think we've got a season that has more like big heavyweight returning animes coming back in full force. Uh-huh. And then on the mm. side, we have a couple of new animes which are worth taking note of uh, in particular. Mm-hmm. And a couple of notable mentions in there just to round out, you know, you genre fiends out there who have mm-hmm. specific desires to watch certain things. Uh, but yeah, we have quite a bit. In fact, I think we're going to take up the majority of the time today. Uh Hadi and yep. Hits will be jumping in for stuff that they have also watched uh, in a bit of a rarity yep. here. But I mean, like, you can't ignore some of these titles, unfortunately, or fortunately. Yes. Uh, so we'll get to that when we get to it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's begin, though, with, I think, you know, most people think that we would start with Avatar 2, but I'm going to hold <laughs> off on that. Uh, let's begin with Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio mm. uh, out on Netflix right now. I think the film's hands down GDT's best in a decade. Uh, easily yeah. his best since Pan's Labyrinth. Hell yeah. uh, this version of Pinocchio reimagines the classic fantasy tale through yeah. 
the most beautifully made stop motion animation in years. Uh, it's a powerful and life affirming father and son story mm-hmm. about acceptance and love in the face of pain, misery, and fascism. Uh, the film is set in 1930s Italy as uh, Mussolini and his uh, fascist regime is sweeping the nation. Uh, we see just how dangerous ideologies spread quickly and quietly at first. And what starts with just the town's blacksmith being a bit too obsessed mm-hmm. with, the, with uniformity and order gives way to hordes of fanatics screaming for kids to be sent to boot camps and everyone who, in, who is different to be excluded mm-hmm. or worse. Uh, in the middle of all of this, we meet uh, Geppetto, who is a humble woodcarver, as you all know. Yeah. Uh, once beloved by all and with a happy outlook on life. Uh, things change when he loses his son during a senseless air raid on the, on the town towards the end of the Great War, yep. turning Geppetto into a grief-stricken drunk who one day curses God and the natural laws and decides to bring his son back to life by carving a child-sized puppet. Uh, I think David Bradley gives a fantastic performance as Geppetto, but it's the animation team at Shadow Machine yeah. that pushes the boundaries of stop-motion animation to bring some of the best puppet performances in a film you'll ever see. Uh, when Geppetto breaks down and cries yeah. by his son's grave, you not only feel the pain of the vocal performance, but you see the puppet's difficulty breathing, the trembling of his legs, the shaking of his hands, mm. even the clothes move and flow naturally with the puppet's body, something that we rarely see in stop motion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just as Pinocchio's wooden body is brought to life by magic in the film, so does Del Toro and his army of over 40 animators as they breathe life into wooden puppets to create some of the most stunning performances in a film this year, animated or live action. I think every character moves and behaves like a completely different individual, yeah. with performances being animated in twos, meaning uh, animated half, uh, half frames, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that a regular film would, in order to bring kind of their like uh, imperfect movements to life. They have quirks, they have itches, they make mistakes, and they shift weight when they sit, when they sit down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the cinematographer brings a kind of live-action lighting and blocking techniques to the film, making it look like it was shot with natural light and then using negative space the way that Miyazaki does. You know, it's so good. Uh, in his grief, Geppetto makes a wooden boy and like Frankenstein, he tempers with powers he should leave alone and his creation is unnatural. So this version of Pinocchio has more in common with Frankenstein's cobbled together look than the uniform cute look that you get from the Disney version. Um, Indeed, Geppetto's work is left unfinished when it comes to life and he is kind of ugly and moves like a horror monster and in several ways, Pinocchio is a giant middle finger to the Disneyfication Mm -hmm. of both the original Carlo Collidi story and of fairy tales in general. Though this is a movie the whole family can see and get something out of it, it I think never tones down the story for kids, nor does it talk down to them. Mm-hmm. The bones of the original tale remain, like Pinocchio's time in the circus, the lesson he learns about being good, uh, and the mess with the terrible dogfish, uh, done here in a fantastic kind of uh, Ray Harryhausen homage. But here the story is reimagined as one of rebellion against expectations. Mm. The escape to the circus is not initially a sinful choice of laziness, but a desperate plea for acceptance and a rejection of the conformity and the complacency of the fascist town's school. Um, it's so thematically rich. It's so visually rich. Everything about this film is, is darn near perfect, a stunning achievement. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, let's 
begin with uh, Hadi, who ha- actually hasn't given his thoughts yet uh, because, you know, Aisa did speak about it mm. on The Last Behold. What about you, Hadi? I mean, I agree with everything you say. Yep. My God, I think this film has so much love put into it. Mm. And you can tell uh, through, the, through the way that, you know, from the animation to, to the character development of Geppetto, right? Yep. And like, his process of grief and, you know, uh, the magical elements are also beautiful. Like, there's nothing wrong with this film, I feel. Mm. I think it's a near-perfect film. Yep. Um, and I love the twist and the, the, the setting of it being in post-World War One Italy. Mm. Uh, where, you know, the rise of fascism and all that is like in the background of this entire film, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, there's also that whole, like, the magical element that that you know you can't really have in the original Pinocchio, I guess. Mm-hmm. That you know with the whole angel thing at the end and all. Mm. Uh, I I I have nothing bad to say about this film. I think it's near perfect. I agree with everything you say. Uh, it's a. I think people really need to watch this man. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Isa? I mean, I've said I've said quite a bit, uh, but we were we did promise people a full review on mm. on, on GE here itself. Uh, I love the fact that we got a Pinocchio for adults, right? Um, yeah. I mean, what what else can be said about the sheer amount of craftsmanship Oof. and artistry that has gone into the animation, um, um, the creature design as uh, very in line with all the authorial work. Um, you know, even Pinocchio's design, for example, right? We are so used to um, what Disney gave us when we were kids, right? This very polished kind of puppet, right? But this is rough shot and is in many ways a reflection of Pinocchio's actual being, right? Like, it's not mm. meant to be perfect. He's not a perfect little boy uh, by any measure, wooden or not, Um so just being able to go through all of that, all the different kind of fantastical creatures and their designs as well as we go along, the unnerving creepiness of the circus uh, and all of the characters that populate <coughs> that, like, oh, man, mm. all of those are so, so good. Um, mm. The fact that this is pushing kind of the boundaries, right, of, 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 of this stop-motion animation um, mm. in terms of its realism, I think adds mm. to the overall uh, discomfort or unnervingness of of this film, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and just like the setting itself and choosing to put it in, in uh, mostly Italy is um, a stroke of genius in my it opinion, is. right? Like mm-hmm. having it grounded in that way mm-hmm. and bringing forth like both the fantastical and the horror uh, and the horrific things set against a literal time in history where things were Horrible. were bad um, is it's just what the the story needed, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it could have been a stretch by by any measure, but it it didn't. It felt uh, apt. It felt right, right, as far yeah. as the story that uh, the author wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. Do you watch? Do you guys watch the making? Mm, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's hard not to. It's yeah, hard man. not to. You know, like exactly. it, it, it plays immediately after, and you're just like, how did they pull yeah. some of these things off? It's, it's kind amazing, of right? Yeah. Mm, but I mean, yeah, yeah, we have Avatar, we are the water, whatever, right? But I feel that Pinocchio's like just the the amount of effort to bring this to 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 life mm-hmm. is so crazy. Like the things they did, man, with the the puppetry, with the 
with the music, you know. Yeah. Everything, mm-hmm. like everything was so fine-tuned, I feel. Yeah, and not to mention yeah. a completely stacked cast of like, yeah. disco winners. God damn. Uh, even Pinocchio is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. Good. Um, like like you both mentioned, um, the whole being set during Mussolini's Italy mm-hmm. thing is a stroke is a stroke of genius, yeah. and because I expected it to be kind of window dressing, but oh. it turns out not to be. Yeah. It uh, the threat of fascism kind of informs every aspect of the film, down to Pinocchio Circus X, you know, eventually yeah. becoming propaganda right exactly. for the army. Um, the script which Del Toro spent a decade trying to get me is all about disobedience. Mm-hmm. Once, once again, kind of making what would otherwise be considered a villainous monster into the story's hero, mm. the, the only one who sees the error in people's ways and rejects them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think likewise, the film does not give Pinocchio the goal of being a real boy, mm-hmm. and it does not shy away from the horrors of real life. Yeah. Yeah. The, the creature that gives Pinocchio life is kind of not a traditional fairy, but a frightening and hauntingly beautiful being that looks like a biblically ag- accurate angel. Oh, yeah. Um, no, 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 it's not biblically accurate. Oh, well, <laughs> not a fairy then. But it, look, it certainly <laughs> looks like an angel. A very scary one. Yeah. Um, and when Pinocchio first wakes up, he is a bit of a nightmare and oh, yeah. an overly uh, curious child yeah. thrown into a world he doesn't know. Uh, he smashes bricks and talks back and is disrespectful. Um, but his world is not an easy one of easy moral lessons and rewards, but full of cruelty and death and violence, like Pan's Labyrinth, like The Devil's Backbone. This is a movie set in a particularly cruel period, mm-hmm. uh, focused on how children have coped and suffered. Mm-hmm. There is some rather gruesome imagery, and it is not only the villains who die horrible deaths, and yet Pinocchio is far from a sour or a bleak or an overly dark film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite beautiful about life being fleeting. Mm-hmm. A movie about a monster who wants to be a real boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a monster that wants his creator to love him the way he is and to be accepted for who he is. Yeah. This is a movie about imperfect fathers and imperfect children. Wow. About not meeting expectations and learning to live with them and accepting that life ends. That you know your loved ones will leave you and embracing the time we had together. Mm-hmm. Best horror, I think, for sure, but also a lot of warmth and laughter and plenty of great songs. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of the best mix of classic Del Toro and new Del Toro with the wisdom and melancholy that comes with age and experience, but also he still retains that bright-eyed love for fairy uh, tales yeah. uh, from his Spanish-language films. Um, perhaps I think impress- most impressive is how Pinocchio pushes the oldest form of animation to mm. brand new places. Mm. Um, any last thoughts about Pinocchio before uh, we move on? Please, go watch it, man. If you have a... Yeah. What's your rating, honey? Like a nine. Nice. Yeah, it's an eight and a half for me. Easily. Yep. Uh, this is a nine out of ten for me as well. Uh, universally adored. Yeah. Uh, um, please go watch it. It's it's available for Netflix. I'm, I know you all have Netflix. <laughs> um, if, if you all don't have Netflix, you certainly Just have a friend someone. or family member's passwords. Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah. Go for it, go for it. Um, next up, though, let's talk about from I guess one technical marvel to another technical marvel. Sure. Um, as you know, you say what you want about Avatar two, we are the water. You cannot deny the goddamn the sheer revolutionary filmmaking mm-hmm. technological advances that James Cameron has made for this film. Yeah. Um, it is gorgeous and one of the most stunning films ever put to screen. Yeah. Um, Avatar: We of the Water obviously a sequel to the first Avatar, mm-hmm. first released twenty. I guess 13 years ago. Yeah. 
Um, and it's come in for a lot of hype, a lot of trepidation. No one is quite sure what the story was going to be, <laughs> but we do know that it was going to look beautiful. Yeah. Um, having seen this, uh, tell me your thoughts about this, Hardy. You watched it in IMAX 3D. What do you think about it? Firstly, on a, on a visual scale, and then secondly, holistically okay. as a film. Uh, yeah. On a visual scale, there's nothing that comes close to this. Yeah, film. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. God damn. Like, just the, 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 the way that uh, it explodes onto the screen, like, I guess. Mm. Pandora is such a beautiful world. And so meticulously made, like mm-hmm. I mean, it it really left me at all how good the world looked. Mm. Yeah, you know, visually everything was so well done. Like I thought Avatar was, you know, at, I mean, Avatar back then was at the pinnacle, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. I didn't think that you could improve on that. Mm. Like they found a way, yeah. Mm. You know, um, yeah, Avatar 2 is so much more beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it carries on that kind of uh, legacy that Avatar 1 has. Lah. Yeah. You know, yep. this beautiful um, natural world uh, with its mm. mega flora and fauna, you know. And, 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 and yeah, it, it's a, it is near flawless, I would say, mm. in terms of the, the visual effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a kind of like um, I mean, that, therefore, I think why it took so long to make also mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this this is what happens when you give you don't have crunch time for your <laughs> for your visual effect artists. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're looking at you, MCU. Yeah, whose like, whose whose entire Phase Four slate has looked gar- like garbage. garbage. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like this is what three D effects should look like, and oh my god, mm-hmm. this this is. This is something that uh, you know. I mean, I'm not talking about the the messaging of the film. I'm not talking about the story. <laughs> I'm just talking about how fucking good it looks like. It's a ten out of ten just on the looks itself. Yeah, yeah. How about holistically? What What about as a okay. film, as a story? As a film, the story is all right. It's mm. an interesting expansion of the world itself, right? You get mm. to see a new tribe. Uh, that the, the reef people, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is an interesting thing because it's it's a uh, they'd live their life slightly differently from the jungle tribe. Yep. yep. Yeah. And so we are introduced to new traditions. We're introduced to, to you know, new uh, flora and fauna uh, and a new side of, of Pandora that we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And mm. and that, that I feel it's a good thing because, uh, you know, I, I you, you don't want to be stuck in the jungle again because you know, it's going to be the same old shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the whole like humans coming back to colonize the sto- uh, colonize the, con- the planet again is like you guys didn't learn the lesson the first time, is it? <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you doing? But then they have no choice. That's the desperation of the humans because you know mm. Earth is dying. They really need Pandora. Mm. You know, mm. so um, I like that whole um, again that it feels similar to the first Avatar in some ways as well. You know, in terms of the story of mm-hmm. of humans versus um the natives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like all the little new uh, entrants into the movie, like uh, the children. Uh, Spider, he's cool. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's an interesting character. Um, I I like... Yeah, in general, I feel it is an alright story, but crazy visuals. Don't you feel like um, all of James Cameron's sequels from Terminator 2 to Aliens... <laughs> I- have been the same story, just yes. done bigger and better. Yes. 
with with the addition of children. Yeah. <laughs> like John Connor I mean, in Terminator 2. Like uh, preteen John Connor, the, the little girl in Aliens, you right, know. Right, and, and right. Yeah, so um, I think it like works, this may be, yeah, this may not be the the best James Cameron sequel, but it's certainly the most James the James most, Cameron yes, sequel because it has all his tr- all his tropes. Mm, so, you know, there's yeah. a little bit of the abyss in there. There's a scene very reminiscent of Titanic. Oh yeah, the yes, yes, yes. Um, you got you got your alien space marines mm. and all. Of that. This this is all of James Cameron's greatest hits right, rolled into right. one. And also, this is his, now that's why I call James Cameron album. Oh yeah, why not? Yeah, um, yeah. I do think that uh, the a lot of people were criticizing on the eco-friendly message that the film was was perpetu- perpetuating, but I think it wasn't as overt as I thought it would be. Um, it was just also, all the time, I, I guess. Mean, I mean, Hadi. I mean, like, sorry to sidetrack on this, oh. but like, I mean, this is we live in an era where, where um, an eco-friendly Daniel Bryan is a heel, right? Yeah. And then mm. well, the good guys are the ones saying fuck the environment, <laughs> and you know, this is just the world we live in, yeah. So what, what I are we gonna but do? Honestly, right? I had no problem with that at all. No, yeah. I mean, I I I love trees and love animals. Water. I guess. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, what about you, Aisa? What do you think about this movie? Oh, man. I'm going to echo a lot of sentiments for Hardy's kind of like first half, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this looks and feels on screen like a movie that took 13 years to make. Yeah. You know, uh, it is mind-blowing that they could have done what they did in the first Avatar mm-hmm. and mm. done it more and even better, right? Yeah. Like we are presented with an uh, entire half of a world that we've never seen before mm-hmm. with its own intricacies, with its own ecologies, with its own, you know, uh, all of that amazing visual spectacle uh, that we get. And mm. for that alone, right, Avatar will definitely go down in cinema history as mm. its own, it will stand on its own just on that merit alone. Yeah. Everything else, however... The way of water is incredibly shallow, I think. Mm. Uh, we got a 10-minute uh, what's on, uh, what's what's uh, been going on last season and a 5-minute law <laughs> dump as to what's been going on with us. Yep. And then we jump straight into the story, which mm-hmm. for the most part is a, a, a MacGuffin number 2 in the mm-hmm. same beats as MacGuffin number 1 in the first <laughs> yeah. movie. Right, uh, wheel brains instead of anoptonium <laughs> right. or something. Yeah, 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 and and yeah. So we follow the same kind of beats, right? The humans haven't learned jacked, which is a uh, moral in and of itself, uh, and they're trying to do the same thing again, but for slightly different reasons. Which I think might have been the most interesting one yes. line of the entire fucking film. Yes, right. Mm. Uh, that one line changes a great deal for the universe of Avatar, but it doesn't mm. change anything for this particular movie. Um, mm. I found it incredibly frustrating a lot of the time when I'm okay if you're going to throw every James Cameron you know, feature film trope out there at me, right? They are tropes because he did it first. Sure. Yeah. Give it's it to his me. tropes. It's his tropes. He's allowed to reuse them. So. I'm all good with that. you know. But what mm. was most frustrating for me is that every time it felt like they were about to hit a good emotional beat, mm. they're like, okay, we hit the beat. But before we go deeper, or you know what? Let's not go deeper. Let me show you something else yeah. even more beautiful than the scene that you last saw and forget about the emotional beat right. altogether. Yeah. Right? The characters feel flat. Uh the mm. plot line feels ah, the plot line feels like okay, yeah. it needed to exist, right? Like yeah. it needed to be there mm. just to drive the action forward. We don't have this plot means we don't get these scenes. 
you know. Mm. And it was one of those strange things where, like, the spectacle is front and center, but the story mm. itself had to prop it up, and it didn't do mm. the the converse, right? Which is it felt problematic for me, you know. Uh, mm. But like, I think maybe a third into the film, I'm just like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna let my eyes do the absorption. Mm. I'm gonna turn my brain off, and we'll process all of this later. Right, uh, I just really wish that the kind of tender care and detail and effort that went into building a visual marvel had gone into the characters and the story. Um, mm. Again, we don't know how much was left on the cutting room floor, right? Oh, and it like feels like hours. a whole lot of it was left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, which is yep. unfortunate. Right, both in terms of all the world, all the parts of the world that we didn't get to see, and all parts of the characters that we didn't get to see, you know. Yeah, it felt like a bunch of cardboard cutouts sticking a swim, um, mm. in, in a just, very very beautiful pool. Can I just yeah. add that it actually does? I there's a few reviews I I, I glanced through right, mm-hmm. and mm. one of them like called it a documentary. I think like that's quite accurate. Oh, mm. like there are parts of it like it does feel like a documentary. Mm-hmm, for sure, yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. Planet Earth. Yeah, well, yeah, Planet yeah. Pandora. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, okay. Uh, final thoughts and ratings. I'll go first. Sure. Um, I'm giving this a six point five out of ten. Okay. Um, I'm rating it slightly higher than uh, Wakanda Forever, sure. which uh is actually kind of similar to this film. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but I I just think like it 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 deserves like a higher rating than this because visually it's such a marvel, yeah. right? Um, and I, I look forward to... I, I will still be there for Avatars 3, 4, and 5, and 6, and whatnot, sure. you know, when Jake Sully goes to visit uh, the desert the fire tribe, tribe, and yeah. uh, whatever, like, and it meets different... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, yeah. So, so now that he's met uh, the natives, and he's met the Maori, he, he's going to meet, like, I guess, the freemen in the desert, mm-hmm. and... and of, uh, of Africans in Wakanda or whatever, uh, Avatar Four, Wakanda Forever, um, and all that lah. So yeah, lah, uh, I look forward to more to more stories about white colonizers uh, losing, mm. uh, which is probably the most unrealistic aspect of uh, Avatar. <laughs> um, what about you, uh, Jake Sully, um, Isa? Um, how would you rate this? Uh, oh, man. oh, sorry, you go first. Okay, yeah. okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, I I share the sentiment. I think like the visual pizzazz of this movie alone bumps it above what an average score I would usually give mm-hmm. uh, a film mm-hmm. of this quality. So it's a six point five for me as well. Okay. Um, yeah, watch it to be amazed and mm. not much else. Um, mm. You know, and we'll see where the story goes. I don't know if it's like a trilogy thing and everything will be like nicely wrapped up in the third one. Yeah, fire. Yeah, half of yeah. fire. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, yep. But six point five for me. Nice. Okay. Uh, how about you, Hadi? Uh, I'll give it slightly higher. I'll give it a seven point five for me, just because again, not just I just fall. I just fell in love with just watching the planet mm. and watching mm. the animals and watching the people. You know, um, mm. like I said, there as a documentary, I'll give it a ten out of ten. But as a film, I think I'll give it a seven point five. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, let's move on to, to we're moving back to Netflix. This oh. time for the the prequel spin off of the Witcher franchise. This time called Blood Origin. Uh, it stars Michelle Yeoh. Uh, what is this all about, Hardy? And what do you think about it? Uh, so it takes place a long ass time ago, before um Harry Cavill's character of uh Gerald of Rivia is even a- around. 
Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. uh, it follows the elf-human kind of war. Okay. It's happening. Um, yeah, so... To me, this... It, changed, <clears throat> it does change a lot of the law that's already established, which yep. I... Therefore, left me a bit confused. Um, I found that it, it, it was a very bad attempt at um, creating this appendix for The Witcher. Mm. Mm. You know, um, I was not impressed, but I didn't want to follow any of the, the characters that were introduced, you know. Um, I didn't give a damn about any of their storylines or why they're traveling as a group, you know. Or why, what quest they had to finish, I didn't really give a shit. Like, mm. there was this disconnect of when I was watching it, you know, that mm. I just couldn't understand why, but, yeah, like, the, the, the dialogue is so stunted, the, the, the weird amount of cursing was just okay. thing. Like, everything about okay. this TV series, the, this series just irked me throughout. Like, yep. I didn't even, like, halfway through, I was like, why is this even existing? Mm. That I felt that this was uh, a very bad, uh, yeah, just a very bad attempt at the prequel and something, something that you know, like how great House of Dragons was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. House of the Dragon. House yeah. of the Dragon. Yeah, this is like the total opposite. I think. right. Okay. Yeah, like yep. for a prequel, you know, that takes place a thousand what five hundred years before The Witcher. Mm. Yeah. So. I, I honestly, I, I got nothing much, nothing good to say about this thing at all. Like even the visual stylings and all that were really lackluster. Oh, but like an old sci-fi series, you know what I mean? Right, right. You, you mean like the uh, a series on the sci-fi? Oh channel, yes, right, right. Old sci-fi series. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, like a, a a series on the sci-fi channel where they got not enough budget and all that, uh, okay, which doesn't okay. make sense for a next week show. What? Yeah, uh, I mean, yep. Yeah. 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 Agreed. So yeah. How would you how would you rate it, Hadi? Honestly, uh, two. All right. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Nice. Nice. Definitely. Um. All right. I mean, I'm I'm already not a fan of the of the Witcher uh TV adaptation, so uh, even more, I'm not gonna check this out. Uh. Okay. So that wraps it up for our main topics this month. Next up. I'll be moving on to Quick Hits, oh, wow. where I talk about some of the TV shows and films that my co-hosts have not been able to watch. A uh, very slim pickings this month. Uh, I'm going to start with, I think, my favorite of, of the three that I'll be talking about, Star Trek Prodigy. Um, can you have Starfleet without Starfleet? That is mm-hmm. the essential question that Star Trek Prodigy asks in the back half of its first season. Um, the villainous diviner, played by John Noble, told his daughter last time that the advanced vessel ferrying the series' young, young heroes contains an AI weapon that could decimate the Federation. If that weren't enough, the flesh and blood Vice Admiral Janeway, uh, the real Admiral Janeway, not the hologram this time, yep. uh, played again by Kate Mulgrew, has reason to think that whoever is piloting the protostar stole the ship and marooned her best friend Chakotay. So, despite how badly the show's main characters want to join Starfleet, there's a plethora of reasons to stay far, far away for yeah. the time being. And yet, even if they're guided by the hollow version of Voyager's Captain, rather than the genuine article, 
the teenage crew of the protostar has internalized what really matters from starfleet mm-hmm. its ideals they want to do good throughout the galaxy they aim to help whoever needs their assistance and hopefully they can help each other as well they hope to rack up enough good deeds so that when it's safe to return to the fold starfleet's admirals and bigwigs will recognize each starry-eyed kid as one of their own as ready as ready and worthy mm-hmm. of being inducted into the organization despite despite their lack of formal training and their kind shall we say complicated path to get there um i think that's the best part of this batch of episodes from star trek discovery mm. the the oh, young star crew trek of the protostar prodigy. i'm sorry yeah such a prodigy my bad um the young crew of the protostar are still finding their way um, Dell is still wrestling with questions about his origins and identity and what they would both mean for his future. Uh, Gwyn is still recovering f- her memories after the events of last season oh. and reckoning with her father's abuses. Uh, Zero strives to make up for the harm uh, of their efforts to save Gwyn last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's kind of uh, the guilt is weighing on him. Uh, Rock Tuck reaffirms her hopes to become a scientist but wants to figure out which branch of science is right for her talents. Jenkin Park uh, struggles with his sense of self and what it means to be a Tellerite and an engineer. Um, even Murph is going through some changes. Um, amid all that uncertainty, what keeps the kid adventurous together are the moral and ethical principles of the Federation and their commitment to the cause. The abiding and inspiring message that runs through this block of episodes is that the substance of Starfleet, and by extension, the substance of Star Trek, is vastly more important than the form which is why Star Trek Prodigy continues to be a really good Star Trek show. Yeah. Uh, 7.5 out of oh, 10 nice. for me. Is that, is that the same as last season? Uh, this is technically the second half of season 1, so, yeah, uh, yeah. which is broken broke up into uh, two parts. This yeah. episode 11 to episode 19, correct? Uh, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I haven't caught up yet. I'm going to start watching it soon. Sweet, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's nice to have three good Star Trek shows yeah, uh, concurrently on air, you know, with um, Lower Decks and, of course, with uh, Strange New Worlds, yeah, one of the best exactly. new shows out there. Uh, next up, we'll be talking about Willow. Uh, it's Aww. a television sequel series to George Lucas's 1988 Easy. cult fantasy classic. Mm. Yeah, film. Uh, also called Willow. Uh, Willow of Good, uh, again played by Warwick Davis, yep. leads a desperate group of heroes to help save the world. Uh, although there's a lot of nostalgia at play here, Willow is just a solidly mm, kind of down-the-middle mm, piece of entertainment. It, um, it aims to please an audience that already loves the property with a few updated ideas and some, you know, buffed-up, polished special effects yeah. uh, thanks to the times we live in. It suffers mostly when it doesn't quite grasp the voice and tone of the original film, but just as its successes are not dazzling, mm-hmm. Its failures are also not fatal, mm. making this show neither good nor bad. It's a 5 out of 10 for me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next up, let's talk about Kindred, which is mm. based on Octavia E. Butler's groundbreaking, award-winning time travel novel of the same name. Kindred, the TV, shows follow, uh, the TV show, follows a young black aspiring writer named Dana who has just moved to L.A., one day, inexplicably, she is suddenly pulled back in time into the 1800s onto a plantation where she is assumed to be a slave. And most surprisingly, that same plantation has ties to her family history that she never knew about. So how is the show? Well, I think Kindred doesn't quite dazzle in the same way as the very best recent novel-to-TV adaptations have done. 
But the series does, for the most part, do justice to the metaphor at the center of Octavia Butler's masterpiece. Um, while Kindred's first season is thematically rich, it is also uh, narratively sluggish, dragged down by unnecessary padding, and a very kind of weirdly PG depiction of slavery that kind of runs counter to the message that, or, you know, the real-life horrors of slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um, 6 out of 10 for me. Okay. Pretty decent. Not too bad. Uh, but, yeah, in no way is it close to season one of The Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Um, yeah, that wraps it up for this uh, session of uh, Quick Hits. Next up, we go to probably the, the, the bulk of, of this month's genre equality, oh, yeah. ISIS Anime Corner. Uh, what do you have for us, Isaac? Oh man, uh, this this fall season 2022 that we've just had is one of the most chock block seasons we've gotten in a long while, largely thanks to a lot of uh, big series coming back, uh, of which we will talk about the grandfather, the granddaddy of it all, uh, Shonen Giant Bleach mm. is back with Thousand Year Blood War. Um, mm-hmm. Did you guys watch Bleach in its original run uh, when we were a lot younger? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Hadi, what about you? Um, um, maybe Hadi didn't, but yeah, uh, I definitely did. Mm. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, so back in the day, Bleach was kind of like one of the big three, right? Of, of its time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was Bleach, uh, there was One Piece, Naruto, and there was Naruto. And mm. these were like the big three kind of like Shonen Jump anime yep. uh, that were basically dominating right viewership at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a good... Oh man, how many years have it been? It's nearly 15 years now, basically. We've gotten... Uh, a new Bleach anime uh, here, again, by Studio Pero itself. Uh, it's currently one of the highest rated anime on my anime list with a score of 9.22, which is wow. kind of mind-blowing. Uh, and uh, we jump back into the world of Bleach following, once again, our protagonist, Ichigo Kurosaki, mm. uh, who finds himself... Are caught between, are caught in a very different war. He's dealt with the Hollows, he's dealt with Aizen, uh, he's dealt with all of those things, and now there's a war between the Quincy uh, mm. and the Soul Reapers, uh, and he finds himself caught in between. Uh, the manga has been out for so long; I don't know if it's actually a spoiler. Um, and yeah. and that actual, uh, that actual struggle or dilemma that he has extends to his own personal origin story mm. as well, uh, which mm. you will uncover as you go along. Um, mm. You guys have both watched Thousand Year War? Or is it just hits? Uh, I've watched the first five um, episodes. Just like the first five minutes of the first episode. I haven't really caught up yet. Okay, cool. Mm. How do you find it hits so far? And in comparison to what you remember it being? I think it's pretty good. Uh, I remember Bleach being especially in this last maybe two or three seasons being quite bad mm-hmm. um this has kind of reinvigorated bleach in, in many ways yep. um i think visually it stands up with other shonen anime of contemporary time so Agreed. you know I, i'm glad they updated the visuals on all of that mm-hmm. um yeah i i think it's just a reinvigoration of bleach and kind of makes up for the misses and the padding and uh <laughs> Extra stories that went in a manga that kind of made up its its last. It, I I think it's it's last very bad two or three seasons lah. Yeah. Um. It kind of had like a bit of a of a Game of Thrones final season sour taste in my mouth. Bleach mm-hmm. did, and Thousand Year Blood War is uh it's like the hot deal yeah. and yeah it's reinvigorated my my interest in it. Yeah, mm. for sure. 
Uh, Bleach for me, it, like Thousand Year War has a been been a bit of a revelation, right? Like in uh, the announcement of this coming out, I went to rewatch um, Old Bleach, all of Old Bleach, right? Which was really hard because so much of it was in 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 uh like four eighty four by three. It was meant for you know a very very kind of like different time, and you're absolutely right. Like the production value for that. Uh, definitely tapered off to the poorer side as things went along and uh, its yep. popularity outstripped its ability to keep up with the story from the manga itself. A Thousand Year Blood yep. War is Bleach's most popular arc in the manga itself and I'm glad that fans have finally oh. gotten to see uh, the on-screen adaptation and for it to be mm. of this quality. Uh, it has all the look and feel and vibe of the original Bleach, but with uh, with visuals and art that uh, justifies its presence in today's slate of of like the top anime that we are getting out of the shonen. Uh, genre mm, you know okay uh, uh yep. there's a lot of kind of twists and turns and i think like if you haven't kind of like caught up yet we're not done with the series yet um but if you haven't caught up yet i'm not going to spoil anything of that but i will tell you that if you were a bleach fan uh this is definitely going to rock your socks sure. uh if you aren't a bleach fan this is still worth checking out mm-hmm. and maybe you can see what some of your friends were telling you all those years ago and see what the hype was about there uh, this has been mm-hmm. really, really solid and I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, it's one of those few cases um, that we've seen in recent times where a anime has taken a long, long break and come back even stronger uh, for mm. that. Let's move on and talk about uh, My Hero Academia Season hey. 6. One, um, yeah. Yeah. It's you and I were talking about like, you know, uh, Season 5 was, was, was... The second half of Season 5 was okay. It was okay. Mm-hmm. It was really like, to set up this season, actually. Yeah, it was all set up. Hadi, you're absolutely right. It was all kind of set up, right? Yeah. Ever since we started season six, it has been non-stop. <laughs> okay, My mm. Hero Academia season six feels like Dragon Ball Z at the moment because mm. we are still on the same freaking fight. So <laughs> and mm-hmm. we are like a good solid 10 episodes in. Yeah, and resting on, on the... Yeah, it's so good, right? Um, They've upped the stakes significantly. I think it's beginning to come to a point where... By our favorite class of heroes are now reaching the point where they have to decide whether you know this is actually it is, is this for them right mm-hmm. are they going to choose greatness are they being thrust into greatness you know uh you know are they destined for greatness all these kind of things yeah. are being pulled into the forefront of mm-hmm. the enemy at the moment uh and like mm-hmm. everything that's gone on in season six thus far i think justifies the need for setup previously mm-hmm. uh where you tackle mm-hmm. all the kind of like nitty-gritty and the setup and everything hawk was doing and all the emotional kind of like mm-hmm. um homework that needed to be done with mm-hmm. uh with um Todoroki's <coughs> family and all of that you know mm-hmm. um, yeah and we're finally here and um they're facing off and i really really hope that the explosive end that we got in the manga for this particular arc is what we're gonna get. I haven't read the manga, so I have no idea. It's all good, man. Then but you're in for it, right? Let's just put it that way. Cool. Like yeah. so, when like dub. Oh, okay, never mind. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, clarify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We, yeah. we we uh, we can talk about it after the recording. Let's sure. let's not uh, uh spoil yeah, stuff yeah, for yeah. people. Uh, also returning this time, Spy X Family Part Two, mm-hmm. uh, where Anya successfully enrolled at Eden Academy. Uh, oh, Operation Strix has officially moved into its second phase. Uh, for getting her first stellar star, she's got her new dog Bond. Yeah, who, who can tell the future? Nice. Who can tell the future? And only yep. Anya can can read his mind, which is kind of brilliant. 
mm-hmm. love the furry addition to the family. Uh, it has been great, all of that. Uh, this particular arc continues the story of our uh, our favorite fake family, I guess, uh, as mm. uh, Lloyd tries to juggle everything that's going on. Anya tries her best to aid her father and her mother in the things that they are doing, the only one in the mm. family knowing the secrets. Uh, mm-hmm. Yor is confronted by uh, a potential competitor for her place in the family. Uh, Nightfall? In the, in the form of Nightfall, Fiona. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. And so, shenanigans abound in Spy X Family. We get a sports arc, which was kind of brilliant and kind of yeah. ridiculous at the same time, uh, featuring tennis of, of all things. Uh, mm. But yeah, Spy X Family continues to deliver on the same brand of uh, humor that they gave us in, in part one. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to you know just seeing like this franchise continue to play out uh, in the way that it did in the manga and hopefully we get uh, this continues to be a long and well enjoyed franchise for that Definitely. Uh, I'm gonna quickly run through a couple of other stuff Golden Kamui Season 4 is back I will admit I am not caught up with this season yet uh, but I've talked about Golden Kamui a number of times highly highly underrated if you want a uh, very interesting kind of like period slash uh, mystery slash mm, mystery slash kind of regency thing going on in, in Japan. Uh, Golden Kamui is great. Please go and check that out. Uh, let's talk mm-hmm. a bit about Mob Cycle 100 Part 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hits, you have very strong feelings about this one as you've had with all the Mob Cycles that we've gotten so far. How are you finding Season 3 so far? Uh, now that Season 3 has wrapped up, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, uh, Season 3 is apparently its final season. So the series finale has wrapped up yep. uh, with quite a beautiful, emotional, uh, ending, climactic uh, last three episodes mm. that brought back nearly every single character we had met yeah. over the past three seasons. Yep. Um, I think Mob Cycle 100 is the best anime I've seen this year. Mm. Um the best genre show I've seen this year. Uh, it is, it yeah, it's 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 a better, funnier, smarter, zanier version of One Punch Man. Yep, absolutely. because it goes to places that One Punch Man's comedy just refuses to. Um, there's that that emotional poignance like with with Kageyama story, not the high Kageyama and <laughs> the, the Mob Psycho Kageyama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Really, really great. What about you? Yeah, for Mob Psycho 100, like, I, I was pondering for a really long time, what is the essential difference, right, between uh, between One Punch Man and Mob Psycho? Same creator, uh, more or less the same studio, kind of, maybe. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, the quality of it is so different. And at the end of the day, I think for me is that Mob Psycho is a, is a human story. Right, uh, mm. and One Punch Man is not. One Punch Man is a monster story, um, mm. and that is the essential difference, right? There's so many things that you get with Mob Psycho in terms of its emotional richness that we won't get from One Punch Man, and we never will, and we're not expecting it to, you know. Mm. Uh, but the very fact that we start off season three with a very almost kind of mundane arc, right? With with Kage, uh, with Kageyama going back to school and like dealing with all the the school life things that he hasn't really been able to adjust to while dealing with all these incredible things that are going on and the giant broccoli uh, looming over the city. Uh, it's mm-hmm. been intense, uh, but heartfelt. And it continues to deliver on the most insane uh, visual fight scenes I think mm-hmm. I've ever seen as a representative mm-hmm. of like psychic powers. Madness, mm-hmm. absolute madness. Um, hit you absolutely right. The last three episodes are bonkers, uh, yeah. and like 
totally totally like up there with you know um, I'm, I'm a little sad that it's ended but at the same time what a great end uh, to the franchise mm. uh, so far highly recommend uh, you catch it up uh, if you're in Singapore uh, Mob Psycho its entirety is on Netflix so you can go Netflix. ahead and yeah. binge all of that yep. uh, to your heart's content I haven't even mentioned probably like the last three episodes were great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best two minutes, the <laughs> no, best one minute, 30 seconds of TV that I've ever seen yep. uh, probably in the 21st century is that one minute, 30 second journey that one kid who got adopted by UFOs. Yeah. Um, it's the best version I've ever, ever thought you ever seen. Oh my God. It's uh, so good. Yeah. So yeah, and even, even, yeah, even that, even like the one closing credit sequence. Yep blew my mind could have been an entire show yep, by itself absolutely um yeah yeah uh yeah so mob cycle uh season three uh wraps up uh the story um from shigeo and all of his friends please go check it yeah. out uh let's talk a bit about to your eternity season two we were very hyped about season one uh and uh, season two is uh, uh, two-thirds of the way through i guess uh, at this mm. point in time, uh, hits you were telling me that you had a a, a bit of a concern with season two. Yeah, uh, I've seen the first five episodes of season two, uh, and he has convinced me to give up on the show, so I've not seen it anymore. Okay, oh. cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I've pushed past. Um, I've pushed past. I know exactly pretty much where the point is. I think that that you dropped mm. off for. I've pushed past that. Uh, it does get better. But it's nowhere near the highest that you get from uh, season one. Like, To Your Eternity was probably one of the highest ranked animes uh, for season one that we've given. Uh, you mm. know, and that was like in the same breath as like Odd Taxi. Odd Taxi. Right? Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think like where we are at right now in kind of like following Fushi is immortal being problems, like, essentially. Uh, mm. It's, it's, you know, people, you've seen just so much death and so much sadness and so much melancholy. The mm-hmm. the season feels like it's retreated into itself to become a little more introspective, but it's hard for an immortal creature to be introspective in the way that we humans will find satisfying, I think, mm-hmm. is the general mm-hmm. thing. With no external stimuli, for the first five episodes in particular, it does feel like a bit of a downer. The pacing has gone off significantly from what we expected uh, from the bar that has been set in season one. It does pick up mm-hmm. later on, and I will say it's still good. It's just not as good as season one. So I'm very curious how they end season two, number one, and mm. uh, to see whether or not um, there's anything planned for future seasons. Mm, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, wrapping up the returning titles, Jojo Bizarre's Adventure Stone Ocean Part Three has mm-hmm. also recently released, uh, with a continuation of uh the adventure with uh, Kujo Jolene and her bunch of friends as she tries to rescue her father, uh, from death, comma, comma uh, com- being comatose death we are not really sure they don't really tell you exactly in true Jojo fashion uh, if you love Jojo I personally think this is one of the most compelling seasons thus far uh, of mm. the three parts that have been released I believe there's one more part left uh, part 3 has been a ride its climax will leave you gasping uh, mm. just in terms of the audacity of the things that they decide to put on screen um, but yeah a great ride let's jump into a uh, new anime. First of all, I'm mm-hmm. gonna a bit of a uh, outside pick, I guess. Uh, I'm gonna talk about Raven of the Inner Palace, which is a Chinese, uh, like a um, period Chinese inspired anime. Right? Um, we we basically we are following a new 
uh, emperor to be, uh, and he's very feared. Um, the Raven Consort, uh, and uh, essentially, it's all the stuff that you get from a Chinese period drama, but anime style. Uh, mm. And it is insane how well it translates over, right? I know we have kingdoms and that's like the whole like three kingdoms thing translated to anime. But to me, this is the first time I've seen that Raven of the Inner Palace has all the political intrigue uh, that you would expect from a, a Chinese period drama set in uh, the dynasty of its time. Uh, it has been quite a ride and just like something, a bit of a breath of fresh air for me. Uh, as I've been watching this, uh, I'm not totally caught up yet, uh, but there have been some very well-timed, well-paced cliffhangers, uh, and um, it's an interesting ride if that's up your jam. Uh, it's also beautifully okay. rendered. Uh, the artwork is different from what you usually expect, right? Mm-hmm. It has all the anime sensibilities, but with a very clear inspiration from the time period that it draws the story from okay. mm-hmm. uh, itself. Uh Hopping on to the next one. Let's talk about Blue Lock. Any mm. of you caught Blue Lock? Mm. Blue Lock on Netflix. I caught, I caught the World Cup. You caught the World Cup, which is uh, the ne- kind of next closest thing. So if you yeah. guys were wondering about the uh, the new uh, uniform that yeah. yeah that the uh, Japanese soccer uh, national team were wearing at the World Cup, it's actually designed by the same artist that created Blue Lock. Yep. Uh, Blue Lock stands out to me as we've gotten so many great sports anime right we've got Haikyuu yeah. we've got Hanabado we've got Yomimushi Paddle and all of that has been great you know we get this amazing kind of uh, animation surrounding the sports style with all its kinetic movement uh, mm-hmm. and it's, it's pizzazz in that sense uh, and we get all the heartwarming stories about discovering friends and you know uh, res- respecting your rivals and things like that Blue Lock has None of those things in mind. The entire yeah. goal uh, and Blue Lock is named after the experimental facility that 300 of the best uh, strikers, right? Yeah. A spe- <clears throat> specific position that they're looking uh, in Japan have showed up uh, to be trained to eventually become the best striker in Japan in order to boost uh, the nation's hopes of uh, winning a World Cup, essentially. <laughs> Uh, to to um in, into life right uh and uh, we follow a bunch of a very large ensemble of yeah. fairly peculiar uh, possible protagonists I guess is the mm-hmm. best way to put it as they um ditch their ethical and moral boundaries to become a singular goal making machine with no absolute quandary for anything else outside of that right uh Mm. you have a coach who is both a mad scientist at the same time with some of the most insane things spouting out of his mouth in terms of what sport should really be about Mm -hmm. um that is the antithesis i think of what most of us would celebrate about sport and for that reason and probably for that reason alone blue lock is a um is something new Right, it is a sports anime that does not give a damn about your teamwork or your heartfelt team bonding moments. None of that. It's who can climb to the top by stepping over who. Uh, it gets absurd. It gets insane. It gets uh, a little ridiculous near the middle and even more ridiculous near the end. Uh, I didn't like 
blue lock for the first episode that I saw. I didn't quite understand why I would be bothered with this. Mm-hmm. But a lot it's been getting a lot of hype, right? Especially as the World Cup has um, come and gone. Yeah. Uh, so I caught up uh, with all of that. And I can see it appears to kind of a specific crowd. Like a dark sports anime isn't something that we get very often. And this is probably uh, the brand is the newest and most shining example of that which it uh, cements the spot as a, something very very different within the genre itself um, uh, Curious why would the I guess creator pick a team spot for this particular premise wouldn't a solo spot be more you know exactly. in tune Yeah uh, I have absolutely no idea and I don't think they ever quite explain why I have a feeling given when Blue Lock was released which was just before the World Cup started right uh, that it had to do a little with that, but that could be just a marketing PR thing um, in terms of its timing for all of that. Because um, mm. yeah, we are talking specifically, we're not talking about like creating an entire team of yeah. like soccer soldiers, right? No, no, no. It's not that. It's just one striker. They want to make that yeah. one striker, right? Uh, but in the end, the striker will still have to work with a team. Yes. Yes. Uh, they don't quite explain. Uh, they mm, they no, kind they of explain that. They kind of explain it's, that. Yeah. Basically, they want to create Ronaldo, right? Like Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> that's that's the goal, yeah. right? Like, but I get the premise if it's like about boxing or MMA or mountain climbing or cycling. It's something that is not a team sport, lah. But this one is a bit peculiar, lah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's it's strange that way, right? The choice yeah. of sport is strange, uh, yeah. but. I mean, I'm not. So, I'm not surprised at the same time that soccer was the one that was chosen, right? Because uh, we haven't like it's been a while. At all, it's been a while since our last soccer anime, yeah. basically, mm. right? Uh, and to add, like, I think this adds a bit more towards like Kuroko's basketball than like Haikyuu mm. or Hanabado mm. uh, in terms of its its flavor. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so having all of that kind of like weird, innately gifted powers thing together with what is clearly an absurd premise has been strange, right? Uh, mm-hmm. If anything I've said appeals to you, Blue Lock is um, very highly recommended on Netflix right now. So you can go and check <laughs> it out and, and let us know, right, how you feel See. about it. Um, it's gotten a lot of hype. I'm not sure if I enjoy it exactly, but it has been compelling in the strangest of ways. For I sure. like that all the characters are basically all the usual spots enemy trope characters. Yes, exactly. And they're pitting you know? them against each other. Yeah, yeah, that in and of itself is 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 a fascinating like yeah. as as a right approaching it as from a writer's point of view, that's weird and strange yeah, and, and I'm is. kind of here for it. Yeah. And you're right about that. Just like everybody yeah. can be the protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean there is a clear protagonist. They set yeah, that yeah, up yeah. very clearly. But like you feel like it could possibly switch at any one point in time, mm-hmm. you know, like who abandons their 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 morality first, right? Is who's, who's gonna get there first? Yellow, yellow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like if like um say Whiplash focused on the entire orchestra and not just Miles Teller's yes. character. Yes. Uh, I Something think like it would. Okay, it's more like the orchestra exists, but we are basically following uh three hundred Miles Tellers uh in a in a Squid Game esque. <laughs> competition mm. to find the best drummer who is not going oh. to drag or, or like yeah, yeah. Uh, Mar- 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 Tellers alternates yeah, like the, Mar- the other two yeah, yeah. essentially right, right, yeah, right. that's okay, exactly okay, okay. Uh, cool, cool, cool. cool. Alright. Uh, one of my favourite animes this season new ones is Mobile Suit Gundam The Witch oh, from Mercury man, yes. oh my god oh my god this is so good guys uh, this is um, Gundam's newest attempt mm-hmm. at 
the Gundam light, I guess, is the best way to go about it. Sure. An alternate universe uh, whereby all the great things that you love about Gundam, the political intrigue, uh, the big mechas, uh, the kind of like uh, the under table dealings that take place and all of that, uh, disenfranchised people. Yeah, gets placed in high school. Hadi is absolutely right. Right, we follow mm-hmm. Soleta Mercury, who leaves her planet uh, to enroll in a school of technology at the behest of her mother. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, it's a school for uh, people wanting to uh, pilot mobile suits, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, and the main way, uh, you know, even in a far advanced civilization of mm-hmm. settling disputes is via mobile <laughs> suit dueling. Yep. Uh, oh. Yeah, exactly. Is, is it like real steel? Um, hmm. No, I really still you video control, ma. Yeah, no, like you actually have to pilot this thing. So, uh, oh, in this okay. in th- this particular universe of the Gundam series, uh, Gundams have been banned oh, no. uh, because of the particular way in that they interface with their pilots and yeah. might even be potentially deadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of like that's the world that they set it up in. It proceeds from that into the revelation that Suleta is special and she has a Gundam. Of course, she is. Into mm. like a full on. Oh man. There, there are segments of it go from that and then you have high school drama and then yeah. you have these kids setting up a, a intergalactic business yep. and then the mm. entire process and pitfalls of that followed by more political intrigue followed by more high school drama followed and mm. it's peppered in between with some of the best mecha mm. action sequences I have ever seen yeah. no True. joke right uh, which for Mercury is balls to the wall insanely well uh, rendered and beautiful in, in particular is action sequences mm-hmm. with interesting characters that you would find in any good high school rom-com but with the added fact that in this universe, uh, like in any Gundam universe for the fact, there's a lot of things going on in the background, a lot of politics, a lot of war, a lot of capitalism in its most gruesome form um, playing on in the background as these kids just try to make a better world for themselves. Um, mm. And it has been surprising and heartfelt and absolutely a joy to watch, which I have not said of a Gundam series in no a long. very, very long time. Uh, so highly recommend Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch mm-hmm. from Mercury. Um, like, sure, it's an advertisement for toys, but it's a very, very well-made advertisement <laughs> for very expensive toys. Yep. Uh, yeah, I've loved that so far. Uh, before I jump on to what is possibly the one title that everybody's waiting for me to discuss, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about that first. Chainsaw Man is next up. But before that, I want to talk about Akiba mm-hmm. Made War, right? If you enjoyed our uh, previously on genre equality recommendation of uh, Ya Boy Kong Ming, then mm-hmm. Akiba Made War is basically Ya Boy Kong Ming meets Durarara meets Chainsaw Man all bundled together in one. It's mm. madness. So basically, we follow Nagomi Wahira who gets hired in a maid cafe and gets dragged into a world where all the maid cafes are mafia and are at war with each other. Mm. It's mind-boggling what exactly is going on, right? Um, so she basically finds a way to adapt and integrate herself into this society that she's drunk. Uh, she's find herself uh, dragged into uh, and it's it's crazy. Like it has, like it's everything that you would get from a gangster, like a anime gangster film. Uh, but they're all mates. Uh, they all work in maid cafes, uh, and it is 
insane. It's absolutely absurd. Mm. It's gory. Uh, they have very, very early on in the series, I can't remember which episode, it was two or three, mm-hmm. uh, you have one of the most stunning gunfights I've ever seen. Like, it's a mass gunfight along in the streets of Akibara. Um, with like dozens and dozens of, of uh, people on both sides. Uh, but the entire thing is a, is a musical number. It's brilliant and wow. it's crazy and it's uh it, i mean it's hard to describe without without you kind of like watching it right so right. if you love chainsaw man please also go check out akiba made war i think this is one of those sleeper things that people aren't gonna take seriously because of its name and because of the premise mm-hmm. itself uh, but in terms of just like the insanity that ensues from episode one uh I had I've had a whale of a time watching this, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around why it's so good. Uh, mm. But yeah, Akiba Made War is my second top recommendation as far as new anime goes. Um, awesome! And we get finally to Chainsaw Man hits. You've written a bit about Chainsaw Man uh, recently. Yeah, you caught up already. Yes. How do you feel? Uh, I like it. It's it's my second favorite anime of the year. Um, the third being Spy Family. Mm-hmm. Uh, first being Mob Psycho 100, of course. Yes, of course. Uh, um, yeah, um, I think it's great. Uh, like when you all were talking about how Mob Psycho 100 has like such great action sequences and all that, My Hero Academia and all that. Like, I no, uh, Chainsaw Man has the best action sequences yeah. um, of any of the enemies <laughs> that I've seen, yeah. for sure. Um, it is frequently subversively funny, but not in a One Punch Man way. Mm-hmm. Like it's funnier, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, I I loved everything about the show. It's it's also the the prettiest enemy that I've seen in a long time. Um, I love every single ending credit sequence oh, yeah. because they're all different. Mm-hmm. It, it's like you know, remember like how Weeds used to have a different opening every time, but this one different ending. Um, those are in itself like works of art. Uh, yeah, Chainsaw Man is great. It is up to all the hype. Yeah. Um, if not for Mob Psycho 100, it would have been my favorite enemy of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for those of you that are uninitiated at the ridiculous hype that has been going on around this anime adaptation of the manga, uh, we follow Denji, who is trying to live a normal teenage life, but is severely in-depth uh, in a world where devils roam around. So he decides to become a devil hunter, has a pet devil dog that gives him a renewed life and also the ability to summon chainsaws anywhere on his body he wants. Uh, mm. We have possibly the most uh, girl boss problematic favorite in recent history in the form of Makima. Uh, yeah. I won't say anything more than that, but man, she's problematic. Uh, mm. But so, so, so uh, lovable to watch on screen as well. Um, mm. Yeah, Chainsaw Man is a gory, um, hyper violent. Oh, fever dream of an anime uh, everything that you may or may not have read in the manga as well has come to life in a way on screen that makes total sense right uh, the manga itself was noted for its very experimental kind of like layout and 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 just artistic choices and I think mm-hmm. that while not translating exactly onto the, onto the anime in the same way has felt very true to form and to the spirit of the manga itself uh, please mm. go check it out it's quite a ride I think it's like 11 episodes out at the moment so we are on the cusp of getting the finale uh, right yep. soon but I am really looking forward to seeing more of this um, in, in the future years uh, topic definitely. for new anime this season uh, yep. is definitely Chainsaw Man 
real yes. quickly before uh, we move on to different things, I'm going to give you guys a couple of notable mentions uh, for the other genres that I don't think got uh, any sort of mentions in the new stuff. Uh, if you are looking <clears> for <throat> your heartwarming kind of slice of life stuff, please go watch Do It Yourself. Right, we here at Genre Equality are very big on anime that teaches you stuff, and Do It Yourself is a, uh, it's about a, a makers club based in the near future and all the shenanigans that go on with that, with real life like tips about how to make stuff and like real world physics that they they explain to you, and I love it. Uh, it's cute, it's heartwarming. Uh, the animation style is has been great. Um, yeah, Pine Jam has been doing a great job uh, with Do It Yourself uh, and uh, it's very hard not to watch this anime and smile, uh, not smile uh, you know, mm. so that's my shout out for your slice of life for this season uh, if you are looking for teen high school drama, rom-com stuff that's a little more than horny then I would suggest you catch more than a married couple but not lovers uh, mm. basically we follow two third year high school students, one is a nerdy gamer boy, the other one is a full out gal uh, and um, they are forced to partner one with one another in their school's very strange, very invasive, and very questionable marriage partnership program where they pretend mm. to be a couple and score points in order to, I don't know, rise to the top and swap partners with the people that they actually want to be partnered with. Uh, of course, they stumble upon affection and love and problems along the way. It is incredibly dramatic, but not to the point of being melodramatic. There are a lot of very sweet kind of tender moments, a lot of typical teenage horniness going on. Uh, I've quite enjoyed this, actually. Uh, it's something a little bit different, I think, with the premise and where they're going with that. Uh, and mm. overall, it, it's a, a pretty sweet uh, anime if that's your jam. Uh, mm. Yeah, outside of that, uh, two quick mentions. For Isekai stuff this season, I'm going to say that uh, uh, Reincarnated as a Sword is it's okay. It's not bad. Uh, that's going to kind of be your fix unless you want a more like Chunyunbi version of that in which then uh, Eminence in Shadow is going to be your jam. But I'm not going to go and Google that if you're curious. I'll go and check it out anyway. <laughs> but those are the two kind of like top Isekai stuff that we got this season. But in a mm. uh, season as stacked as this, yeah. That's that's all they really get. One lines. Nice. Okay. Uh, that wraps it up for ISIS Enemy Corner, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next topic where Hardy mm. will be talking about the current overhaul in the DCEU, the DC Extended Universe, the DC Cinematic Universe, oh, wow. that's currently going on uh, under the helm of new... President? What do you call it? A sh- showrunner? Um, James Gunn. Yeah. Uh, what's been going on with DC, Hadi? So James Gunn came on board, and immediately nobody knows what's going on, <laughs> right? So Gal Gadot gets uh, is not coming back for Wonder Woman. Um, <clears throat> Henry Cavill for Superman is no longer coming back as Superman, despite the two posts that uh, Henry Cavill and uh, The Rock had posted. Mm-hmm. Before James mm-hmm. Gunn's hiring, where they said that you know Superman is coming back, right? Yep. So you know that shows you lah what they know. <laughs> okay. Yep. Well, what does Henry Cavill know? Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> Jenkins. So yeah. right now, um, it feels like this is another reboot, re- another DC reboot again, right? 
I, I think they should lah. They should really just wipe the seat. They do have there's to, no right? fixing. Yeah. There's no fixing this EU. Yeah. Um, and James Gunn, you know, had a lot of people criticizing him for firing Henry Cavill, or rather, not not renewing uh, Henry Cavill's Superman run. Yeah, sure. But um, I think DC, the DC higher ups, I guess. Mm-hmm. They have a good idea of what James Gunn can bring to the table. Um, sure. With his rebooted Suicide Squad, I think was, I mean, that did quite well. Uh, mm-hmm. It made the D-list characters stand out. Uh, people actually, you know, enjoyed that film. Uh, like Peacemaker. Yeah, exactly. You know, like someone made John Cena into a legit actor. La. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And James Gunn did that. Exactly. Yeah. And he did that also yeah. for, you know, uh, Batista. Batista. You know, two yeah. WWE wrestlers, you know, are now taken seriously as actors from, you mm-hmm. know, not that, uh, yeah, anyway. What the future holds for DCEU, however, is still in the fog of war. Um, mm-hmm. There's no news yet, apart from Gun taking over. Gun and uh, Saffron, I think. Yeah. Sarfan. Yes. Uh, yeah, the new president, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, it is still under wraps right now. Only we know that there's no more Gal Gadot, there's no more Henry Cavill. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are mm-hmm. not sure where the rest goes, but I'm guessing it's going to be the same thing. I think Hidze, uh, Jason Momoa has been recast as Lobo, which is a much which better a, role for exactly, him. and something that he said that he wanted all this time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So one thing that is quite interesting is also the fact that um, I feel that the criticisms are a bit too early and also unnecessary because. DC has made flops after flop lah. Mm. You know, like um, just a few, you know, five years ago with uh, the whole like Batman versus Superman shenanigans, or oh, just last year, yeah. just last with year. Uh, the Snyder cut, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. or even then, um, you know, yeah, the Justice League was nowhere up to what it should have been lah. Yeah, you know, um, there's rumors of it going back to. The golden age of DC, oh, okay, uh, okay. where a more retro style of um, DC superhero kind of thing might be going down. Mm-hmm. That might be an interesting proposition, I think, because first of all, you don't want to do what Marvel is doing. Mm-hmm. Marvel is too far ahead in their experiment that the worst thing that DC does is copy that. Mm-hmm. And I feel that DC really needs, uh, James Gunn especially, really needs to just go back to the drawing board and just start from scratch and come up with something, you know, different and authentic. Lah. Because mm-hmm. I feel that the superhero space is becoming too um, saturated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of low quality shit has been coming out from Marvel as well. Yes. You know, it's not that Marvel is perfect, it's just that they have more hits than misses. Lah. I, I, even when they miss, they make money. So, exactly. I mean, Black Adam didn't make money. In fact, they lost, it lost money. money. Uh, Sally, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I love The Rock. You know how much I love The Rock, right? Mm-hmm. And even then, sure. also, you know, I couldn't. Yeah, I, yeah, I understand why it can't be, you know, remade. La. Or, sorry, mm-hmm. not remade, rather, right? have a sequel. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not profitable, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And that is something that. The, the DC universe really needs to ask itself why is people not flocking over to watch this shit yeah. and that's because mm-hmm. you must understand how the MCU started the MCU started with Iron Man 
that was how that that one experimental film was the catalyst for the rest of the MCU. That mm. th- that film and then a few good other MCU films after that, kind of mm. like um, you know, the Avengers. I think will be one of them. Um, yep. I think one of the seminal films in the MCU would be also Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. where all these films built the capital, the 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 uh, audience capital, uh, basically, mm. for the you know for audiences to come back to watch it, like, You know, when the brand Marvel. You you kind of expect a certain a certain type of film and a certain quality, yeah. Mm. And that's because you know yeah from Iron Man one all the way to Winter Soldier all the way to maybe uh, Avengers Endgame you know Infinity War Civil War yeah. yeah. Well, all all that is not just you know you can't just try and build that out of nowhere when when the and when the when the, the initial batch of the, the Justice League happened, right, I felt there was mm-hmm. a very pale imitation of of what Marvel was trying to do. La. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I feel that with James Gunn in the helm, maybe they can do something different. Mm, yeah. Hopefully. Because, hopefully. Because Guardians was a very different film than the mm-hmm. rest of the MCU back then. Yeah. Yes. You know? So hopefully, you know, we will see something different from James Gunn. I mean, I am not putting too much hope on it. You know, it just it just feels like DC use like rebooting every few years, you know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 So, we'll see. Alamak, uh, we'll see lah. Uh, ho- I hope for the best. I want to see DC rebooted. I want to see DC successful. Yeah. yeah. I like DC as a property. Exactly. DC was the first comics I read. Yeah. Um, if they do want to go the old school classic route, I suggest they reboot the whole franchise with All Star Superman. Of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, Grand Mar- Grand Morrison and all mm-hmm. that. You know, let's let's just you know get it. Get it right, lah. Go back to basics. Yeah. Go, go back to basics. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing that I do say is good. The good thing about having Harry Cavill no longer with uh, DCEU is that Harry Cavill can now work on the Warhammer 40k franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He's released. He has announced the start of the project uh, of a live action 40k film with uh, mm-hmm. Amazon. Just... Yep. So that's something exciting to look forward to also, lah. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with all of that. Um, okay. So that almost wraps it up for this episode of Genre Equality. Mm-hmm. Um, to cap it all off, let's talk about what we're looking forward to in 2023. Um, each of you guys, I'm sure you know you have stuff that you're looking forward to. Off the top of your heads, name me one film and one TV show Ooh. that above all others, you definitely cannot wait to watch in 2023. Uh, let's start with you, Aisa. Do you have any... Um, Thing. I'm sure you do lah, but like, could you narrow it down to one thing, one TV show, and one film that you definitely want to watch in 2023? Okay, definitely want to watch. I'm super excited about uh, Across the Spider Verse. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. I think, yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. is to me, as far as genre stuff goes, that's the most, like, it's the highest on my list. Uh, um, Dune Part 2, I'm very curious, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not going to get my hopes up high just because, you know, these things have a way of like, yeah, um, but yeah, I think those two are the two main ones uh, for me. Okay, so you name two films, uh, not one not one TV and one film. Can also lah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, what is coming out for TV? Uh, uh, I don't know. Let's, let's see what's on ISIS. Uh, sorry, what's on Hardy's slate? Okay. Uh, what are you looking forward to, Hardy? Uh, definitely Quantum Mania. That's Ooh. one. Okay, uh, coming quite early in, in February, March like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of TV shows, Mandalorian Season 3. Ooh. All right. Right. Uh, and Halo City. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fucking <Fuck that> show. 
Yeah. Uh, and also the, the other TV show, I think, was Secret Invasion. Mm. Sure. I think that's next year too, right? Yes. Yeah. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So um, that, that's the two things that I'm looking for in the TV landscape. Uh, in the in terms of the movie stuff, uh, yeah, Quantumania, like I said, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, I guess since everybody broke the rules, so I'll name two for each myself. Uh, <laughs> my number one for TV is not Mando season three, but uh, Ahsoka season one, oh, yeah, aka Rebel season six. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean that that's the one that I'm really really psyched for. Um, Ahsoka is. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, Ahsoka season one, aka Rebel season seven. Uh, oh, Rebel season the... six. You're right. You're right. You're right. Ah, you, you got me doubting myself. Yeah, you yeah, were yeah, the yeah, black belt, yeah, yeah, and I was yeah, yeah, yeah. thinking, okay, I was thinking of Clone Wars. Oh no, 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 no. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Asuka season one is, is my top pick for TV shows. Nice. Yeah. Uh, probably like a distant second is like yourself, Secret Invasion. Uh, probably. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. Um, my TV pick is. Uh, please go ahead. Okay, um, for films, I probably will pick number two. Uh, this is a very, very distant second to my number one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very distant second. Uh, uh, but, uh, okay, you, you've already talked about Spider-Verse, right? I'm not going to touch that. Okay. Uh, my, dis- <laughs> my distant second is Transformers. Oh, Ble- Beast Wars. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. It is a very distant right? second, but I know what you mean. I was going to say that, actually. Transformers Rise of the Beast. Yes. I mean, Beast Wars was the cartoon that we all watched as a kid that got us back into Transformers, you know? Yes. Uh, Transformers was our parents' Transformers. Beast Wars was our generation Transformers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, considering that Bumblebee kind of reinvigorated the franchise a bit, I'm, I'm down for to watch Rise of the Beast, for sure. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, uh, my number one, not just, I think, the genre film that I want to watch the most, but the number one film I want to watch the most next year is Barbie. Oh yeah, I do. Oh, I'm down. Okay. I'm so down to watch Barbie. Absolutely. Um, Greta Gerwig after Lady Bird, after Little Women, I don't see how anyone can doubt her. Yeah. Uh, Barbie's teaser trailer looked like a work of high art. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that only someone like Greta Gerwig can bring bring to a franchise like Barbie. Yeah. Uh, I, I predict Barbie is gonna get a Best Film nomination in 2024. <laughs> Mark my words. I mean, the teaser trailer uh, was quite interesting. Uh, that was two weeks ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's directed by Greta Gerwig. It's written by Noah Baumbach, you oh, know, man. who wrote uh, Marriage Story and stuff like that. This looks to be like way beneath them, but I think they're elevating Barbie to something that we've never seen before. Very excited for it. Looking okay, for it. Uh, back to you, Aisa. Oh, TV side. Yes, on the TV side, and I can't believe I didn't remember this given that I just saw a bit of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm really excited mm. for The Last of Us. TV series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In January, very soon. Yeah, so I completely forgot about that. But yes, oh, I yeah, think that would be my, my TV series pick. Awesome. Okay. Um, lots to look forward to oh. in 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm of course looking forward to like the Marvels as well, seeing Kamala Khan oh, yeah. and, and uh, on a big screen. Um, I'm surprised that um, Aisa didn't pick Dune Part 2. He did. Uh, I mentioned it he as mentioned a, it. yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Can, can, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, lots to look forward to. I hope Dune Part Two comes out next year, like, If fingers crossed, well, fingers if crossed. If all goes well, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, recently, like, uh, I saw Tim Chalamet and Zendaya all post that they just finished uh shooting. So nice. can lah enough time to do post production for a November release. Yeah. Uh, okay. That wraps it up. Uh, it's been a great year, 2022, of of uh genre titles, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking forward to talk about more genre shit in 2023. Till then though, this has been Hit Zero. Howdy.
Até mais, ó. Goodbye, guys.